Uh, great morning, Alan. Thank you for song service. Wonderful song we just got through singing. I uh, hope you feel it like I feel it. Uh, we got a, a holiday tomorrow. It's been a good weekend. The weather's nice. And as I mentioned, it, it's been a wonderful morning. It's my last Sunday here. Uh, Karen and I will be moving this week, and that's sad. But I'll give you a little background how I'm up here today. I, I told Patrick that I wanted five or ten minutes to uh, give some encouraging thoughts to the church and maybe even challenge the church. And the more I thought about it, uh, the more I had to say. So I'm up here, and I'll be with you for the next 30 minutes instead of the next five. When, when I would go to college, my mom would cry, and uh, she would cry almost every time I left. And I always thought that that was a little much, and still kind of think that, probably a little too emotional. Um, but I'm beginning to understand how you can get there, all right? Uh, this, the time for, for the last three weeks until now uh, has been emotional, it's been exciting, but, it, but it's been bittersweet in a lot of ways. And this morning, went to class, and uh, our kids, our youth group, they, they got me a Bible. And uh, it's a nice Bible. It's, it's nice, big, and thick. And I think I'll be able to read it until I'm a little older. Good print. So I appreciate y'all. Look out for me with that. <laughs> but the, they wrote in it. In the front and the back, they wrote their names, and they highlighted verses that mean a lot to them. And I'm beginning to understand a little bit more how my mom can be emotional when I would leave to go to college. Uh, so I thank you for that. And my time here over the last three years has been great. It's been wonderful. I've had a, uh, memories that will last for a lifetime. But I wanted to start today by talking a little bit about the three other ministers at this church, Patrick Cannon. Marcelino Rodriguez Jr., don't forget that, and Jared Baggett. Uh, really, this doesn't tie into my sermon. I just wanted to pick on them for a second. So many of you aren't here during the week. You don't know what it's like or what goes on. So I'm going to give you a glimpse of what each of those three guys, what their office is like. Not what goes on during the day, but just uh, the, the environment in their office, Okay. Patrick's office, I'll start with him. Yes, good, I didn't make that, but good job, Kim. All right, uh, so Patrick's office is, he's kind of OCD about it, right? It, everything has a place. Uh, he's got three pins on his desk. One is straight, the other two come at a point, and if somebody moves that pin or uses it and puts it back, he quickly shuffles it to where all three pins coming to a, a point like that. He's got books inside uh, his office, like many people do, and he's got a lot, actually. And Jared, every once in a while, would take a book and would just put it in there. Sometimes it was small. Sometimes it was a weird book. Uh, sometimes it was a big dictionary. But two, three, maybe, uh, maybe a week passes, and Patrick would find a book. You can see the books right there. He would find it, and he would come out, and he would give it back to Jared because Everything in his office has a place. He's OCD about it. This thing, whatever that is, uh, has scared many children, but it has a place. When you walk in his office and you look down, uh, that thing is going to be there staring at you. He's OCD about his office. Now, Marcelino's office, 
Yes. There we go. That's right. The first thing you need to know about Marcelino is uh, he's a hoarder, right? He, he will take your stuff, but he, he puts it to use. I mean, he doesn't just sit there. He finds some way to use it, but he is a hoarder. So before I throw anything away, I normally just walk next door and say, you want this? And most of the time, he will take it. Uh, the other thing you need to know about his office is it's the safest place in this church building. Uh, when I'm with him, I know, hey, I'm all right. He's kind of a ninja, right? It says it up there. Uh, he knows a little karate. Um, but he may or may not have small legal weapons hidden throughout his office. And hey, I feel safe when, when I'm with him. That's all you need to know about that. But he's a hoarder. He's also a ninja, so he can protect you. And the other thing you need to know is Patrick's office is at the end of the hall, and it's big. It's like 2,500 square feet. And then, <laughs> then it's me, and then it's Marcelino, and we've got what used to be a closet, uh, but we make it work, and he's a hoarder. And then on the other end of the hall, another 2,500 square foot office is, is where Jared's office is out of. Uh, <laughs> All right, I didn't know that picture was going to be on there, but... That's good. Uh, all right, so what you need to know about Jared's office is it is really hot. And I'm not, it, it's hot all the time. His thermostat in his office controls my office, and I know it's hot because I'm sweating all the time. Uh, last year in September, I mean, I think it was still September, it, it was starting to get a little bit cooler, but it wasn't hot, I mean cold, that's for sure, and he turned the heater on, and I was like, what is that burning smell, uh, and I went to ask him about it, confront him about it, and uh, his excuse was, it's, it's 72 degrees in here, I've got to get it up to about 78, it's hot, it's always hot in there, if you're in his office and you're sweating, you know why, and he really does keep a little heater right there with him all the time. He keeps it throughout the summer. So it's been on uh, throughout the, and I'm not just saying that to be funny up here. This heater is with him. You probably go this week and you'll find it on in his office. But we've had a lot of good times. I've enjoyed it. The, the last three years um, has been a, a time where I think I've grown as a man, as a leader, a follower of Christ. Uh, I've had the opportunity not only to work with the young people in the church, but the adults in the church as well. And so my talk today is going to reflect that, reflects my experiences at Lamar Avenue. Uh, I most likely have more material that can be properly digested in about 30 minutes, uh, but I hope today to begin a conversation that will continue after I leave, because I think it's very important. The topic that, that I'm going to talk to you about today is the role of adults with children or young people in the church. Okay, The role of adults with young people or children in the church. About a month ago, I was asked to speak at the men's breakfast, and this was my topic, and it's something that I'm passionate about. So I thought it would be fitting for me to leave the entire church with uh, the same topic. What do we do with our kids? And, and if y'all are thinking, oh, I'm going to tune this out, the younger people, uh, I'm going to have some challenges for you as well. And I think it can apply to the younger people also. 
I want to conclude today after I talk about this to give some general challenges to Lamar Avenue, but also to encourage all of you. So what is the role of adults with children or young people in the church today? As adults, we all have a role in this. Everybody in here, I believe, in church, churches in general, but also at Lamar Avenue, has a role in bringing up the children Lamar Avenue. At times, I think that the men have allowed the women to do more of their fair share of this work, especially from a younger age. I think that we've allowed the women to do too much of that. I think the responsibilities should be shared equally between the sexes and obviously and taken uh, incredibly serious. This morning, I, I want to focus on a model uh, that is found in the Bible. It requires more mature Christians mentoring or discipling younger Christians or less mature Christians. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. We'll read Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. It's the words of Jesus. He says, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus had a group of young men that he mentored, that he guided, he taught, and eventually he sent them out. He called them first. He intentionally went after them. He taught them. He discipled them. And then he sent them out. And that's the model what we want to look at. That's the model that, that I want to talk to you about today. And so in your study, in your personal study, I think you have to turn to Jesus first. You have to look at him, how he exemplified this, and what it means to be a godly mentor. We need to look at how he interacted with the people around him and those that he chose to closely mentor. And this is a pattern that Jesus set out that we shouldn't ignore in any way. Another example from the Bible, and these aren't the only two, comes from 1 Timothy. And that's the example between Timothy and Paul and their relationship with each other. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, it's a verse that you're probably familiar with, says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he goes on to say this, You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Timothy and Paul had a special relationship. Clearly, Timothy was younger and Paul was from an older generation. Paul took a special interest in Timothy. He mentored him. He encouraged him. He stuck with him. And the interesting thing about that is Timothy at the, the time of these writings was probably in his 40s. Right? He wasn't 10 or 15 years old. He was probably in his 40s, and Paul was from an older generation from that. But it again highlights the biblical concept of older generations mentoring younger generations. As this takes place, as this takes place, you have 
someone like Paul who's doing the mentoring. You have someone like Timothy who is receiving it, but then he is able to return the favor, and that pattern keeps on going. And so to our young people today, we're mentoring them, right? I mean, what 16-year-old doesn't need to be molded and shaped, but at the same time, we're already challenging them that there's people in this church who are younger than you, who need you, who you need to start mentoring as well. So this, this message rings true to everybody, to every age, as you continue to get older and beyond. It's not something that we grow out of. And our vision, it simply states this, and I'll come back and read it uh, more in depth here in a little bit. It says, all disciples will make disciples. Followers of Christ seek to create new followers. I think they also mold the current generation before them. So I firmly believe that kids need and desire structure and discipline. Our young children, our teenage children, our young men and women, they need older generations breathing life into them. And sometimes they need an authority figure, but they have that in a lot of aspects of their life. They need someone who will walk alongside them and live out the life that Jesus Christ has called us to live. And, and I hope that this is coming across in a way that is humble, and I hope it is coming across in a way that you can understand. They have a lot of people who will tell them, yes and no, you need to do this, and you don't need to do that. They need people in their lives who are older, who believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior, who will walk alongside them, show them that, tell them that, and continue to stay with them throughout the process. I wanted to let this group, these adults, I want to let you know some of the things that they might be struggling with. Some things that, that I have uh, seen, some things that I have discovered. Um, and we'll go through this list so you can kind of get a better understanding of who they are and what they might be struggling with. And this is not a, a list to humiliate young people. Uh, it's just to be honest, to be transparent of some things that hard on them now or some things that you see a younger child, you can bet that they're going to be faced with at least a handful of these in the future. No particular order. I think that the way society has trended, that they might be confused and think that the world is about them. We don't have selfish kids, but egocentric is the phrase that, that comes to mind. Uh, between social media and you know, marketing that, that is going to pinpoint who they are and what they want and what they need to have, it's easy to become and to, to think of yourself in a way that the world revolves around me. That's a struggle. That's a struggle. And this list, if we're being honest, it's probably not too foreign to adults, okay? But egocentric thinking the world revolves around them. Another thing that young people can often struggle with is their identity, their identity. Where, where are they placing it? To us, to Christians, to followers of the way, we know that Jesus Christ, our identity has to rest with him. It has to begin and end with him. And if it doesn't, then we're lost. But to them... It can often be confusing. It can be confusing because they're involved in a lot of things. They can uh, be defined by their peers by the type of athlete they are. They can be defined by how smart they are, how funny they are, what they look like. All those things 
uh, can trick them into thinking that is where my identity belongs. But we know our identity belongs with Jesus Christ. Their, their worth and value, feeling like they are worthy, is often a struggle with young people. And we know that they have value because they are a child of God. We know that, and we have to tell them that. We have to show them that. We have to continually reassure them of it. Uh, they struggle with how to live out their faith, how to live out their faith in a setting like school or sports or other activities that they may be involved with. Uh, they often struggle with jealousy, with envy, uh, mixing God's way with the culture. And if you look in the Old Testament and you read about the Israelites, they struggled with that too. Taking culture and trying to make it a part of, of their, their worship, their praise, their relationship with God, and those things don't mix. But oftentimes we get that, we're presented with that today, and we think that it's okay, that it glorifies God. Separating those out is critical. Our young people struggle with sexual purity. They struggle with the temptation of drugs and tobacco and alcohol. And those are things that I'm sure in the 1960s someone was saying up here. And I don't have the stats to back this, but I can guarantee you that kids today are faced with that at a really, really young age. Um, I assume that it's a younger age than, than they were faced maybe 50, 60 years ago. But they're bombarded with sexual images. They're bombarded with messages that it's okay to partake in these things. Uh, they struggle with, with self-image, with eating disorders, and many other things. And again, if we're being honest, our adults here, there's some of these things that we struggle with as well. But I asked a group of young people, what do you want, what do you need from older people in this church, from the older generations here? Because that was kind of a, a negative list. That, that seems uh, scary, that seems sad, but... I'm telling you, there's a remedy to that. And it, it, it starts with us. It starts with the adults with them. Uh, so what do they want? What do they feel like they need from you all? And that's interaction. They want to interact with you. And, and I know it can be, as an adult, uh, it can be a little intimidating to go up to a kid and talk to them. But I promise you, you're going to be better at it than they are going to be better at coming up to you and saying, hey, I feel like there's value in having a conversation with you. I'm going to start it. How is, uh, how is your 401k? How is your retirement plan? They, they don't know what to do, but they need it. They desire it. They want that interaction. Approach them. I promise there will be some good results that come from that. Jay Spencer and I had a conversation about this not too long ago. It's the consistency that's there. He said there's still people who are in their 20s and 30s that will talk to him only because he was at a lot of youth events when they were 15, 16 years old. It's not because he popped his head every once in a while. He had a consistent relationship with them, and they still value that. What else do, do our young people say that they need from the older people? They need positive role models. But not only that, they need authentic, godly examples, someone who lives it out. And according to the Barna Research Group, uh, said the number two reason that young Christians leave the church is because their experience of Christianity is shallow. Think about that. Young people leaving the church because Christianity is too shallow. So please, adults, let's show them. There is nothing shallow about being a follower of Christ. 
There's nothing shallow about that. It's deep. It's real. It's awesome when we serve an awesome God and we have to experience that in our lives and show them that it is not shallow. Young people need and want, they said, an apprenticeship. They want to work with you and learn from you. First and foremost, I think of someone like Wayne Kirby, who often takes young men, and he says, come on, let's go to work. And they'll go work hard and long hours, and they'll sweat together. But during that time, not only is he teaching them a task, not only is he teaching them some sort of a trade, but they're seeing a man model what it's like to be a Christian at his job in life. So they need an apprenticeship. They want that. They want encouragement to be appreciated, to be acknowledged. Uh, If you see them in the newspaper, go talk to them about it. Congratulate them. Talk to them about the things that they're involved with. They also want to be invited to help serve in this congregation. Those of you who've been doing that, been a part of church, men and women for many years, for your entire life, show them what it's like to serve in this church. And to the young people, if you're paying attention, that list, the older people want those same things from you too. They they want to be acknowledged. They want to be appreciated. They want those same things as well. I think that goes back and forth, not only from the older giving to the younger, but the younger has something to give back as well. The Barna group that I mentioned earlier also reports that 59% of young adults who stayed in church had a close friend that was an adult in church while they were younger, all right? So I'll say that again. 59% of the people who stay in church when they're adults, they said that they had a relationship with at least one adult, okay? So they come, they talk to their friends, they have those relationships that are needed and they're good, but those who stick around are more likely going to have an adult involved in their life. But out of that group, most of them are referencing a minister, like a youth minister, and that's good. They need those relationships. But most of them don't have a significant relationship from their studies outside of an adult minister. So there's plenty of opportunities for adults. And if you just do the math, our our young people, 18 and younger, 22 and younger, there's going to be, there would be multiple adults per child, per young person, but that's good. I'm telling you, the odds are going to go up and up, that they're going to stick around, that they're going to know that this is their life and not just a part of it that they're going to leave behind as they get older. Did you know about our kids that we do have kids in this church who come alone? Every Sunday, every Wednesday, they get themselves here. We have kids that do that. We have kids who have sick parents. We have kids who have parents who have abandoned them. We have kids who have parents who do not always take care of them. We have kids who have parents who do not pray or study the Bible with them. But we also have kids who have great home lives and incredibly uh, godly parents. Our role as adults in the church is to love, to protect, to guide, to lead, and mentor all of our children, no matter where they fall into the, the descriptions that I just talked about before to love all of our children. So I ask you, who is your one? Who is your one? Rick Ashley at the Hills Church in the Metroplex, a couple years ago, uh, their theme for the year was, who is your one? And it was an evangelism approach. But today I ask you, who is your one? Who is your child that you're mentoring? 
Who is your young person that you are walking beside and breathing life into today? And this can certainly come in many forms. But it should be active, an active relationship, and one that is pointing them towards Christ. So if someone were to ask me, what is the role of adults with younger kids in the church? I would respond with a question, including myself. Okay, I include myself in this. Who is your one? Who is your one? Who are you mentoring? Who are you walking alongside with and making a disciple? Our role as adults with young people in this church is vital. It doesn't have to be a program or anything fancy. It requires you to be a mentor. I want to read directly from the vision. Page 6 of our vision, it says this about discipleship. Becoming better disciples of Christ through worship and spiritual disciplines prepares us to make disciples of others. But what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner, a student, a person who is trained to become like his teacher. All disciples make disciples. No one is exempt. So while we continue to train to be like our teacher, we will also intentionally train others to become like Christ. Discipleship is Jesus' plan to reach the world. And it was his final command to his followers. Jesus showed us that disciple-making is primarily about relationship. Although Jesus preached to the masses, he spent most of his time investing in the lives of 12 men. He taught them the scriptures, mentored them, and modeled the character of his father over a span of years. And so, we will follow his pattern, each of us investing heavily in a few to train them to become more like Christ, expecting that they too will become disciple-makers. That opportunity is extended to everybody here, the adults, but also the young people. So in addition to that, there are other opportunities in this church that are needed, that absolutely need your attention. And as I leave, some of these opportunities might become uh, a little more vital that, that you step in and fill that. But just to give a few of the opportunities that you have with existing programs in this church, teachers. We always need teachers. We staff teachers for Wednesday nights, for Sundays, for children's worship. Um, we, we need you all to be involved in the youth program, going on different events, or even helping teach and to fill some of the hole that I am leaving. The good news is, is we have so many great and talented people at Lamar Avenue to be able to do that. I truly don't leave thinking, ooh, they're going to miss me. Uh, that would be an arrogant thought because I know that this has been an incredibly wonderful place long before I got here and will continue to be the same long after I leave. But those areas, they need your assistance. They need you. So if you've been sitting on the sidelines for a while and you're thinking, maybe I should, I'll encourage you. Maybe you should. I think it's good. I think it's worth it. And there's not a better investment to make to make in the young people of church of, uh, who make up God's kingdom. If I had to sum up the challenges that I have given you today, but also give myself, it would be to roll up your sleeves and to get involved. To all the adults, find a younger person and mentor them. There's other opportunities, programs that we have going on. Find what it is you can do and jump in. I think Lamar Avenue has incredible potential. And I mean that not as a parting shot. I mean that uh, just as it is. It has incredible potential to do so many wonderful things. The vision that has been set forth for this church over the next 10 years, 
I think it can be fulfilled, and I think that it can impact this church, impact God's kingdom in many, many wonderful ways. When I think about the people of this church, it excites me. The, the talents, the skills, the love that are present here. Truly, this is a wonderful place, a place that will be missed by myself and my wife. I encourage you to walk together and believe that God is guiding you. He is guiding you. Boldly fulfill the vision that has been set forth for this church. Trust it. Believe in God and walk boldly beside Him. Love Him. Love each other deeply. And love the community, the world around you. And I won't challenge you and not challenge myself, even though I mean all those things to myself as well. So here's the challenge that I'm giving to myself as I leave. Uh, Hopefully you didn't watch the Texas-Notre Dame game last night. I did. I don't want to talk about it. A long time ago, a long time ago now, about 10 years ago, Texas won a national championship in football, something that those players and coaches probably worked for their entire life. You can YouTube this and find it. After the game, they're finally in the locker room. They're celebrating a coach with his team, his first moment that he's had with them all together. And I think the first thing that he tells them or soon after as he begins talking to his team is don't let this be the most important day of your life. He's telling his players, don't let this be the most important thing that you ever do. And the first time I heard that, I was like, man, that's kind of a downer. But I think it's incredibly true. I love that message that he gives to them. So I give the same message to myself. Don't let this be the only work you do for the kingdom of God. There's other work to be done. In Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 42, it says this, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. My life circumstances currently are different than Jesus' circumstances were when they wrote this about him. But one thing remains true. There's always work to be done for the kingdom of God. I want to close by reading Philippians chapter 1. In verse 27, Paul writes this. I love this passage. And I'll think of Lamar Avenue when I read this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Thank you for this place. I thank you that, that you've created a way for believers to come together, to have a community, to have a church. I pray that you will bless them, that you will help the leaders and the future leaders, that you will give them discernment and wisdom, that you will have uh, peace bestowed upon these people. There's so many people who are hurting, who are sick, and I just pray that this congregation, this group walks together continually. Pray that they will look for ways to breathe life into the young people here. And I pray that that pattern will never stop. As they get older, they will do the same thing. Lord, I'm truly blessed. My wife is truly blessed from our time here. We can't thank these people enough. 
But I do want to thank you, Lord, for placing us here. It's in your son's holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. For any reason, if you would like to come forward this morning, I ask that you do that now as we stand and sing.